0: Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast.
1: Somebody whistling. I think somebody just whistled at me. It's been quite a ride. Four years has come and four years have gone. I didn't um, really even realize it had been that long until just a, a little while back. But before we continue, I need to address the elephant in the room. Is anybody here DVRing the Seahawks game? No one? Ron, what? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Ron's got the score, but I don't want to ruin it for people if you're DVRing it. No. Ron, we can't do it. Text it to me. So here we go. I want to start out by talking to this morning about the last few months of my life. And really, I'm going to uh, go back, man, I don't know how many years. But I can tell you that the uh, four years ago when I moved here, my first, one of my first two messages I gave, I told you how I felt like a Moses before I moved. And I felt like a Moses because I was reading a book one time and and a guy by the name of Louis Giglio said that he felt the conversation between God and Moses came down to the bottom line of God saying, Okay, you've given me every excuse you can possibly think of. Now, here's the deal. You're in or you're out. I don't need you, Moses. I'm God. This is going to happen, and I can find somebody else to do it, but I've chosen you to receive the blessing. I've chosen you to receive the prize. I've chosen you to be the one to help me carry this out. You to be the one to do it. Are you going to do it, or do I have to go find somebody else? Because Moses, it's going to happen. And I felt that that's what God was saying to me before I finally gave in and said, yes, I'd move to Lewiston. The interesting part is, time repeats itself. Three months ago, I received a phone call, and everything just kind of goes on, and life happens, and we come, and we build relationships, and and we think we're going to be here forever, and... Then you get a phone call. And the phone calls for Steph and I change our life. And here's why. Because I know that a lot of people say, well, you don't have to. You don't have to answer it. But one thing about being, um, well, I'll say myself. I I think it goes hand in hand with being in the ministry. But um, for myself, When I was in Marysville, I got a phone call after two years and we wound up moving to Tillamook. When I was in Tillamook over 11 years, I lost count how many phone calls I got. But every single phone call that you get from another pastor, from a DS, that says, I want you to think about such and such a place. It stops you in your tracks. At least it does us. Because we made a decision 20 years ago when we entered the ministry that every single time we got a phone call, we would have to pray about it. Because if we didn't, how were we gonna know what God was telling us? We would at least have to ask the question, what are we supposed to do? And I will tell you, um, two years ago, we did go interview in Prineville, Oregon. My name, I was called and told by, um, I call them yuppity yaps, but somebody on the advisory board on ORPAC district to put my name in. He was, he was saying, hey, it's, it's got to happen, do it. My name went in and we made it to the interview stage. And we took our daughters and we went to the interview. Now you have to understand, Prineville, Oregon is where my in-laws live. We would have lived a About .8 miles away from them. Instead, we're moving to Bozeman, Montana. They're happy with me. (laughs) But we went for the interview and we prayed about it. And and honestly, we went into the interview with the board. And when we left there, Steph looked at me and said, no. We went to church the next morning and after church, she went, "Hmm, maybe. And then we went back to the interview with the board and she said, no. And I went, I agree and we came home, and everything was great. Our fear of having to move didn't happen. Fast forward two years. We get this phone call in September, and since that phone call in September from Jeremy Carr's dad, if you want to be mad at somebody. Um, how he got my name. I don't know, Jeremy. Since that phone call, I have gotten, or I have received, however you want to put it in proper grammar, two or three, Well, two churches had called me for an interview. Now, I was honest and said, we're already talking here, and those went by the wayside. For the last four years since I have moved here, just a few months after I moved here, a friend of mine moved down to Coos Bay, Oregon, and he um, got involved in a church and became on the board. And he told me, our senior pastor is going to retire. You're going to move here someday. Well, I believe that's happening as we speak. Two and a half weeks after I accepted a different position. Don't tell me God's timing isn't perfect. Because you know, if you're going to move somewhere, you probably don't want to move to a town that you know nobody, but move to a town where you got a couple of your good friends living. Just saying. If you even are wanting to move. But if your plan is to stay and continue ministry until God says go, you kind of have to listen when he says go. So when I looked at it and I argued with him again and I gave him every excuse I could possibly come up with, down to we have friends, my kids. My family lives so much farther away than this. And on and on and on. Do we really want to start over? God, there's 15 people in the whole church. What are we doing? Where is this going to come down? And the bottom line is we had to ask the question. We had to answer the question. Is it what he wants? And then it comes back to your mind or my mind. That conversation where God said to me, and he said to Moses, are you in? And Steph and I had more of a conversation, and I told you before, she looked at me, and through her tears said, can't we just say we're going to wait? I said, yeah, we can. I said, what do you think? And she said, I think we'll always wonder what we missed out on. So we're in, and we're going, and we're scared, and we're nervous, and we're excited. You know there's a lot of snow there, and it's really cold. We went over there two weeks ago. We looked at 10 different houses in two days, made an offer on one. It was accepted, and we move in February 18th. Things are falling into place. Things are happening. God's doing his thing. But you see, that all happens When you listen. Because I could have made many decisions on many different opportunities and really the only decision I wanted to make was stay. But when God keeps after you and when God keeps talking and it gets to the point that he says, I don't need you. I'm God. But man, I love you and I want you. Will you do it? Kind of got to go. You got to say, yeah, I'm in, I'm going. Today, we're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to see how somebody other than Moses had the same question given to him, had the same opportunity given to him in a different way. I mean, it all falls down in different ways. It could be moving to Bozeman, Belgrade. It could be staying here and doing something, starting a ministry it could be staying here and helping more people move it could be whatever the question is are you in the question is will you answer the question is are you willing to give it up for what god's asking you to do we're going to look look at luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 and we're going to figure out we're going to hear about an event in peter's life and how peter responded And most of us know the story. But at the same token, when I read this just the other day, I realized how much I really haven't learned. And how much I'm really more like Peter, and I think we all are, than we realize. Luke chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, okay, I'm going to stop right there, the scene was taken around the lake of Gennesaret, which, for those who don't know, that's also the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus calmed the storm, this is what Jesus was standing by when he fed the 5,000, this is where... Jesus walked on water, and Peter started walking to him and sank. This, all that happened. This isn't just a random lake. This is a lake that miracles will happen. They haven't happened yet, but they're going to. And Jesus is walking around the lake with all these people following him as he's talking, and they're listening to him, and more people are walking up. The numbers are growing. They want righteousness. Now, if you look at that, They probably don't even know what the word righteousness means at this point. But the fact of the matter is, they want to hear what he's saying, and they want to grow in him, and they want to understand who he is. And they want to live the way he's talking. They want that. They're hungering for it. They can't wait to hear more about it. Verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Let me set this scene up for you a little bit. Jesus had to find a way to handle all of these people crowding around him. He came up, he's walking, he sees these fishermen cleaning their nets. They've been out for a long day. He sees their boats, and he's got all these people pushing, trying to get closer to him. They're crowding around him, and he's trying to go, "Uh, what do I do? Now, remember I said just a little bit ago the, the question that God asked me and what I believe he asked Moses when he said, I don't need you, but I have something big for you. Do you want it, or do I need to go find somebody else? I said that God doesn't need me. He can use you to do the same thing he's going to use me for. He can find someone else. Here's the difference between God and Jesus. Jesus needs us. Don't believe me? Luke 10, 2. For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord for the harvest. Therefore, to send the workers out in the harvest field. Jesus came here on earth to show us not only how to live, but to team up with us, as he did the disciples, to show others. He needs your help. God didn't. Jesus does. Therefore, Jesus turns around, and he says to the, the, or he sees the people in the boat, and the crowds are coming by him. And in verse 3, he says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You see, as Jesus looked around, he saw an opportunity. And if you just read that passage, that scripture, that verse, you're looking at it going, Oh, the opportunity to get in the boat. But you see, Jesus saw two opportunities, he saw one where he could have a pulpit, so to speak, a platform. And then he saw the opportunity to make one man become his disciple. And he went over to this man who was cleaning out his nets, didn't say anything, climbed in his boat, and then turned around and said, push me out from shore. Jesus used what he had. He saw an opportunity and he used it. Do we do that? Surf Sunday, The Rock. A couple weeks ago when, when some of your giving to the church allowed me and others to take checks to people at Christmas who needed it. Donating furniture to people who need it. I gotta tell you, he'd love to see the look on their face when you show up at their apartment and you're furnishing their house with apartment or with furniture. He saw an opportunity. And he used what he had to do it. He didn't have to go out and find stuff. He used what he had, and he climbed in the boat, and he said, push me out so I can speak. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now. (laughs) Now. This is when Jesus decided that he was going to win Peter's loyalty. This is when he decided that he was going to get Peter to understand who he really was. This is when he decided that he was going to win Peter to becoming his disciple. This is when I can see Jesus in that boat, looking at Peter with a smirk on his face, saying, push me out. You come with me. Let's go dump the net in. Let's, let's, go, let's go fish again. Let's go. You've been fishing all day. You were fishing most of the night. Come on, let's go do this now. You didn't catch a thing, but come on, let's go do this. Go, push me in. Has somebody ever told you what you thought was the dumbest thing you could ever hear? Yeah, so had Peter. He's sitting there going, excuse me? You want me to do what? And here's what he says. Simon, Peter, answered. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Master, you're a carpenter. What do you know? Don't tell me what to do. I have been out all night long. We were fishing. Oh, and by the way, you choose to tell me and all my helpers get back, dock the two boats, clean all the nets. Now you want me to do it over again? Really? So let me get this straight. I'm going to go out in the heat of the day where the sun's hitting the water. The sun's going to shine through the water, hit my net. The fish are going to see it. They're not going to come anywhere around it. I've been fishing my entire life. I know the history. When this happens, you call it a day. You go home. You get cleaned up. You eat. You go to bed, and you get ready for the next day. Not clean your nets and go back out so I can come back in and reclean my nets again because we both know you won't be here. You'll be preaching. And oh, by the way, Jesus, when there aren't any more fish, these people aren't going to believe you anymore. You really want to go through that? How do I know that's what Peter was thinking? Because that's what I'd be thinking. I think it's what you'd be thinking. Really? Again? But then the verse goes on to say, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. In other words... As he rolled his eyes, because you say so, we'll do it. Because you're the Messiah, we'll do it. You really, really, really want me to do this? I just want to go to bed. But okay. Climbs in the boat, and he goes, and he puts down the nets. Now let me explain this because you say so comment he had. Some people say, well, it just shows how much he really trusted Jesus, and I'll give that. I think he did, but at the same token, when I was 15, 16 years old, um, I started roofing when I was 15 years old, and I don't remember the exact time. It was learned over time, but 15, 16, 17 years old, we were uh, on a roof, and this won't mean much to most of you, but it was an 8-12 pitch. The average, you know. Low-pitch roof is somewhere between 4 and 5, somewhere in there. This was an eight twelve pitch, steep enough that if you aren't used to it, you can't really walk on it, but yet not extremely steep. We get up on the roof, and we're roofing it, and I'm sliding all over the place. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do, and my boss comes up to me, and he says, okay, he can tell I'm frustrated, but he comes up to me, and he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take that pile of shingles, take the gun in your other hand, the nail gun, not a rifle, the nail gun in your other hand. He said, I want you to put your left foot up just a little bit higher than your right lean forward, and then lay those shingles, the pile of them that you haven't put on yet, on top of your foot, and then balance your weight. And as you're going down through, as you keep roofing and going up the roof, keep moving your weight more and more forward because there'll be less shingles on it. And then you'll be able to keep your center of gravity and you'll be just fine and you'll stop sliding around and everything will be okay. Uh Uh-huh. You want me to have Everything rely on the bundle of shingles that are sitting on my foot. I thought he was crazy. But there's one thing I did know about Bob Fivecoat. He didn't question it. I could have, but he had 30 years of experience by this point. He knew my family. He knew me since I was a baby. He wasn't going to do anything to hurt me. Besides the fact it was his insurance I would have to pay for it if he did. But he wanted what was best for me. And he wanted me to be safe. And he wanted me to quit being scared. And he wanted me to figure it out. So I tried it. And guess what? It worked. Still works. I was safe. I didn't have a problem standing there anymore. But I will tell you that when he came up and explained it to me, in my mind, the eyes rolled And I said, whatever. But because you say so, I'll do it. Because you said to do it, and I am supposed to trust you, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you say. Peter had a choice. He could have said, get out of my boat. I'm out. This is crazy. I'm tired. But he looked at Jesus, and he said, Because you say so, I don't see how. I don't understand it. This makes no sense logically. And if I were to pull everybody up there on the beach, half of them would say, go for it. And the other half would say, oh, I don't know if Jesus would really say do that. But because you say so, I'm going. And he went out and he cast the nets down. Verse 5. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to sink, or nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Peter's obedience Peter's obedience, even though he was wondering, even though he wasn't quite sure it was going to be right, even though he wasn't quite sure it was going to come out okay, his obedience produced results. His obedience caught fish. And just for the record, it caught him. You see, there's times I believe that that we think... Well, when Jesus says go, we have to go and we have to have no questions and we have to just just know it's all gonna work out right. Well, I do believe it's gonna work out right. But that doesn't mean in my mind I'm not going. This doesn't necessarily make much sense. But I will tell you this as a side note. I learned years ago that there is logical and there's God and when i try and mix the two they don't work because if god was only going to ask me and you to do something that was logical peter never would have caught fish peter would have been home in bed but you see sometimes we're asked to step out sometimes we're asked when We're told, do this, and our only thought is, because you say so, fine. Sometimes the results come back, and they're so big that the boats begin to sink. And sometimes we can't even see the results. But that doesn't matter. Because when Jesus and God and you work together, it's unstoppable. The boat starts to sink and you start calling people to come over and help you and you start trying to figure out everything that's going down and how this is working and this doesn't make any sense but God's got it I want you to sit there for a second and really picture Peter at this all at the time this was all going down I don't even know why my nuts are in the water. This is stupid. It isn't going to work. Why can't I just leave? Why is he sitting there with a smile on his face? I don't understand this. Why is the net going, help? The results happened, And at that moment, Jesus, his heart, As he's sitting there, and scripture doesn't say it, but as he's sitting there, which I believe he was giggling, (laughs) laughing at Peter, as Peter was sitting there trying to figure out how he was going to get the boats. The the amazing part is, if Jesus just brought you all these fish, is he not going to get you to the shore safely? Hey, congratulations, I got you all the fish, now you're dead. I don't think that's going to happen, but Peter, just like us, forgets that. And he starts focusing on, uh, how's this going to work? How are we going to get this done? Come help me. It's not like I have the Messiah sitting a foot next to me. Peter reverted back just as quickly as we do. But Jesus, sitting there smiling, giggling, laughing at him, his heart was full Remember when I said earlier that Jesus saw the boat and when he turned around he saw something that he two different things he could do. He could get a platform or a pulpit to speak off of to all these people that wanted to hear about him and and he saw a man that he could win to follow him, become his disciple. He just succeeded in both. Because all it took was these fish and Peter went, "Whoa." Who is this? Read on verse 8 and 9. When Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus' knees and said go away from me lord i am a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished sorry at the catch of fish they had taken he and all his companions were astonished at the, astonished at the fish and everything that had been taken. You see, Jesus caused Peter with the miracle to confess. But you see what Peter was really confessing? Yeah, he said, Forgive me for my sin, but what he was, and he called him Lord. He confessed not only, Forgive me for my sin, but you are the Son of God. You are the one that you say you are. And I'm sorry for not believing. Oh, and by the way, if you can do this, I'm kind of scared what else you can do. You are Jesus Christ. And Peter, or Jesus, looks at him, slaps him on the back. It's no problem, Peter. But then he says, then Jesus said to Simon, or we'll go 10, And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats back up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now we know that if you read the other Gospels, you see and you understand that Jesus also said to them, from now on, you will fish for men. So we know, we know that that's the direction he was headed. But what we also know, what we can also figure out, is that with these, these verses, Jesus is saying, haven't I proven enough now? When I say, let's go do this, are you in? When I say, come on, I need your help, let's go, God's asked me to come grab you and let's go do this? Are you in? I told you at the beginning that I have received phone calls from different various places. And I can tell you, as I said earlier, it stops you in your tracks and you think. I can tell you that On more than one occasion, Steph and I have said, maybe we're doing this wrong. Maybe we should just stay where we want to and go where we want to. But you see, that's not how God works. And that's not how Jesus works. Because Peter had that same opportunity, and he chose to stay and catch fish. Jesus, or Peter, had the opportunity to give up and say, I know you say keep going. I know you say persevere. I know you say go back out and do it again. I know you say strive. But Peter, he still could have walked away. And so can you. Call it what it is. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. I really personally believe the best thing about Christianity is the worst thing about Christianity. And I can't get over it. Some people don't like how I say it. They disagree with me. But you know what the best thing about Christianity is? It really doesn't matter how you live your life. I get to choose to live for Christ. You want to know what the worst thing is? It doesn't matter if I choose to live for Christ. I can't take you with me unless you do. And that hurts. Which begs the question are you in? I got something for you to do. It's crazy, and I know you're not going to understand it. I know you can't see it. I know that you've been fishing all day long. I know you feel like you've done this your whole life. I understand it. I get it. You feel like you're spinning. You feel like this is where it's at. No, I don't want you to move. I want you to change in yourself. I want you to step out of your comfort zone and go do this. I've been telling you to do it for a long time and I know I've been talking to you and trying to get you to do it for three months but now I want you to really do it. And in the case of Aaron and Stephanie, you've given me 150 excuses. When are you gonna say yes? It doesn't always have to be comfortable and it doesn't always have to be great and it doesn't always have to be your idea. Because I do believe one of the easiest things in the world for us to say is, I have an idea. I think I need to do this. Great, have you talked to the creator about it? Because he'll either confirm or deny that idea. I will tell you in all honesty, I did not see myself being in Lewiston forever. Not because I didn't want to, but I did not think that's what God was going to have for me. But I will also tell you, a restart was not my idea. And I don't think it's wrong to say I'm very scared and very nervous and very excited. Because the same God who put his son on the earth and had that son go and tell Peter to throw a net in the water is the same God that's going before us and he's the same God that is leading you. And I will say, are you listening? Which comes right down to no other way about it. Are you in? It's only two answers. Yes or no. Are you in? Or are you out? Yes or no. Which one are you? Are you in? Today we have the opportunity. You have the opportunity. Riley, go ahead and, and head on back. You have the opportunity to witness something very special. Riley low came to me a while back and said, I I want to be baptized. And we were kind of looking at it and trying to figure out when that was going to happen and when I announced I was moving, she said, the Sunday you're preaching. I said, okay. But see, Riley and I had the conversation. And I will tell you that Riley's in. It wasn't anybody talking Riley into this. She came to me And said, I want to be baptized. I want that next step. And we talked about it. And we're going to do it. Because she wants to show you. She wants herself. To go down. And come back up. A new person. She wants that, that relationship with Christ. She wants that change. So I'm going to step in the back and I'm going to change. There's going to be a video come up on the screen. Watch the video and ask yourself, am I in?
2: Push the boat out. Push what? What is this? <laughs> you want everyone else to come, too? <laughs> come on. Look, if you sail out a little.
1: will change the troublemaker.
2: What is the kingdom of heaven like? I'll tell you. It's like... a mustard seed. You can't see it. It's so small. It's it's a speck of dust. It could blow away. And yet, that tiny seed becomes the greatest tree of all, and all the birds in the air come and make their nest in its branches. They'll build up treasure on earth where thieves can roll and... boat further out. Out? Yeah, into the deep. Why? What for? Let your nets down for a catch, of course. No one catches fish during the day. They hide from the sunlight, right down in the depths. But, if you insist... I'll let them down. In the middle of the day. We could be here for hours. Simon. Could be here for days. Oh. Simon. What is it? Ooh. Lord, leave me. I am such a sinful man. Don't be afraid, Simon. From today, I'm going to make you a fisher of men.
1: Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this morning. The opportunity not only to gather and worship, but Father, to hear your words. I just pray that you will continue to speak to us, continue to ask us the question Are you in? Father, help us. Help us, even in our doubt, that that answer will be yes, knowing. That you are who you say you are. And you'll do what you say you'll do. We love you and praise you this morning. In thy name we pray. Amen. This is Riley Lowe. Everybody say hi, Riley. She might be a little nervous. But she is going to answer a couple questions. Riley, have you asked Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, into your heart, Mm -hmm. and you are all in, Mm -hmm. that's all you're going to (laughs) get. Well, let's baptize you. How's that sound? Riley Lowe, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: I don't know how many times we've done that around here, and it's awesome every single time, isn't it? I just, I absolutely delight in that because, uh, because of so many things. One, because it's so loaded emotionally, right? I have to be up there in front of the crowd, and guaranteed my hair and makeup will get messed up, right? So there's that. And still, we see the courage that it takes to get up and, and make this simple, but profound statement, I believe in Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful testimony every single time that I see it. I love it for another reason as well. It's because it always implies a question. I'm in, what about you? I've decided, have you decided? I believe. Do you believe? And if you believe, then what are you going to do about that baptism is one thing that you do about that it's one of the things that you do about faith in Jesus Christ it's this it's this incredible drama it's it's a mystery well how does it work i i, I don't know I don't, I don't even honestly know what it does but i know that that the testimony of the earliest Christians taught by Jesus himself was that there is power and love and life in the moment that you choose obedience to Christ and this public demonstration of faith, and you're also choosing to let the church get, get its arms around you and say, yep, we recognize your faith too. We recognize that you are a part of Jesus' church. And somehow... Every person who experiences it will tell you that at some point in the moment when I was under the water or I came out, I experienced peace and joy like I had not known before in my life. All because I took one little step of obedience and faith and said, yeah, I'm in. So Riley's in. She's, uh, she's in relationship with the God who made her. She's in the kingdom of God and a part of it. And as Jesus said, yeah, it looks little, but oh, man, does it have power. Oh, man, does it have potential. Soon it'll take over, right? That's what he said. This tiny little seed will soon become this plant that kind of shades out the whole garden. Are you in You want to be a part of something like that? All it takes is a confessed faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to understand everything that Jesus ever taught. Honestly, you don't have to agree with everything Jesus ever taught. You have to believe that he's the son of God and that his death on the cross makes it possible for all of us to be forgiven because all the punishment that ever needed to be meted out has been meted out. You have to believe in his resurrection, that somehow God the Father brought him back to life after he was really dead and that that life means that it's possible for you and I to have a new kind of life as well. That's it. When we ask, are you in, we're first asking, do you believe those things? Do you want to believe those things? Secondly, will you then say, all right, because I do, I want relationship with the God who made me. When we ask, are you in, that's what we're asking. When we ask, do you want to be baptized? That's what we're asking. And so, right over here is a pitcher and three towels. And the three towels have two sides, so you can use them twice. Okay. Um, this is another mode of baptism. And in the Church of the Nazarene, we, uh, we welcome all the modes of baptism. You can go back there, and Pastor Aaron will f- fully mess up your hair and makeup. And it is absolutely as effective, because it's faith that makes this effective, baptism at all. You can come right down front here, and we can baptize you by pouring. And the elements are same. The water that that, um, symbolizes cleansing, and the confession of your mouth, and the faith of your heart. Riley's been thinking about it for some time and has made up her mind. She's had quite a while to think about it. Long conversations with Pastor Aaron over months and months. You could make up your mind here today. You could make that decision here and now and act on it before we leave the church today. Um, Quite frankly, I still have 11 minutes until closing time. So... Um, so uh, how about this, though? How about instead of waiting, say, ten and a half, and then leaving here going, oh, I wanted to, but I just couldn't work up the, mm-hmm. why don't we just do this? Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and let's just ask the Lord himself, if you're asking him, it tells, tells me that you believe in him, right? Why don't you ask him, is this what you want me to do today? And if you feel the slightest little nudge in your heart, why don't you take the step that Peter did and go ahead and row out and see what happens? Lord, you have uh, an audience right now. A couple hundred people, many of whom have already made this decision. We believe in you. We have dedicated our lives to you. We're in. We're in relationship with you We're in the kingdom and living it out in this world. We're in. But there are also people here among us who are not yet in, haven't decided if they want to be. Got a bunch of questions and not enough answers. But this morning, Lord, do you have something to say to those who have a little bit of faith? Would you call them? to get all in and to symbolize that by baptism. I'll quit talking so that you can speak and your people can hear you, Lord. We listen for your voice.